welcome to the P4C podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 12 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each P4C year is full of rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. We now continue with part two from last week's message. We hope you are encouraged and challenged. Well, in kind of the same light, because I feel like prayer, direction, seeking the Lord all flow together. Uh, They're all... Uh, integral part of each other um, and this next question it says in seasons of waiting how does um, a balance of faith and hope for the future and a contentment in present circumstance so how do you balance those you know you have uh, faith and hope for the future but then you'll have to be content obviously where God has you right now how do you balance those two how it, it very much just goes back to kind of what I was talking about at the beginning you know this idea of delighting in the Lord and this idea of him being pleasurable uh, even in difficult circumstances, you know, when you're seeking the Lord and you want to trust him, how do you remain content in the here and now with still looking to the future with, with great hope and, and anticipation? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I see a pattern say, here, right? <laughs> I heard a fellow say one time, uh, and just our hes- I think our hesitant says, we we know we don't know all that much, you know. I mean, I, so you just kind of stop. You want to think you want to be true to the word, but you, you know, you'll defer to the other brother because you think he he can answer this a lot better than you. And I think that's just our heart, you know. Uh, well, um, but um, I heard a fellow say one time, he's dead now, but he's going to be with the Lord. But he made this comment. He says, "We're always thanking the Lord for one thing in spite of something else." Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely true. Which means there's always something we wish were different in spite of the things we're giving God thanks for. I could name you right now probably a half a dozen to a dozen things that I've prayed for for a number of years that have not happened. Things that ought to happen. I don't mean things. I'm not talking about I'd like to have a Rolls Royce or I wish I could buy a condo. I'm just talking about stuff that in life should, in my mind, should happen. Why in the world has God not done it? I don't know. I mean, I can say, well, I've got sin in my life. Okay, I've confessed my sin. Uh, I don't know. So, I, I, I say that to say we're almost always waiting for something, for God to do something. But hopefully we're waiting on the Lord, as I said last night. Our heart is toward Him. So what I, my, my effort in my sanctification and growth and in my walk with the Lord is to find my satisfaction in Him. And my wife can tell you, Sunday nights come. My Sunday afternoon comes, late Sunday afternoon, Sunday night comes. I start getting in a kind of a, a funk. Because I'm going somewhere Monday that I don't want to go. I used to go exactly where I wanted to go. And I always thought it'd be that way. I got to do for 14 years exactly what I wanted to do. And I never dreaded getting up and going and doing it. Well, I haven't done that for 22 years. And I don't think I'm ever going to do it. It's not going to happen. Okay. i got to go to work. 
I'm going to go babysit adults. <laughs> That's what I do. People your age and older who act like a toddler. But I, now, but what I have to do then, Monday morning comes. My prayer time is my drive time. And I got I to gotta get ready to do it. I got to go. And that can be, that, that may not be your thing. There are other things that I've asked the Lord for. And, but, but I believe, I believe my heart is toward God. That's what you want. My heart is toward Him. It's not toward those things. Are those things important? And do I wish they would change today? I do. Yes, they are, and I do. But my heart is toward God. Something that, you know, you say that. I, I remember at one point I was reading through the book of Hosea. can't even talk. Um, was reading through the book of Hosea, and it, there's a phrase in there where it says, wait continually upon the Lord. And it finally hit me when I read that that day that I'm never going to stop waiting on the Lord. That's my position before him. Like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So there's never this sense. So yeah, I anticipate, and I'm in content in the now, but I'm always going to be anticipating and content in the now. It never stops. Because that's my position for the Lord is my faith, my, my resting in him. Now, I don't do that perfectly, but that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I, when I realized that, then when I begin to struggle, then I could go back and say, okay, well, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be trusting and waiting upon the Lord. Um, so we never stop. Always giving thanks for one thing in spite right. of something else. So anything further to add to that? Um, listen, theologically, we got it. Like you can read a book, you can figure it out. This is sovereignty of God. I'm gonna, <laughs> but living it is completely different, okay? So the cat's out of the bag. Every pastor has to do Every Sunday morning when you're preaching the message, you're like, oh my goodness, do I even have this in my own soul? With this particular issue, the answer is God has the right to put me where he wants to. But um, that doesn't mean I like it. And I don't like it because of sin. And I don't like it because the world is broken. And I don't like it because I'm not home yet. But... The glory of that is God is changing me, and I can trust in that. So, theologically, yeah, God's sovereignty, God's direction, practically speaking, stinks, and that's okay to re it's okay to recognize that as Christians that there's aspects of your Christianity you're just like, ugh, this is like cod liver oil. God, do I seriously need another tablespoon of this stuff? Come on. Um. God's more interested in our transformation than our happiness because our trans our happiness will come from the transformation. Mm. So in light of faith and that issue of trusting the Lord, um, this next question kind of comes down to this whole issue of presumption or recklessness or as this question put, even stupidity. What is the difference uh, between faith and presumption or faith and recklessness or faith and stupidity? So basically... In some ways, what is faith? <laughs> you know, you know. Some people may say, you know, we just trust God and, and He's going to do it all for you, and then they just sit around doing nothing. You know, so where is, in some respects, our responsibility, but at the same time, realizing we do have to just rest fully in the Lord. Um, so where where do we kind of bring those two tensions together? I last time. <laughs> Ping pong. Just say it and I'll, I'll okay, say it. yeah, I'll say it. He'll fix me. 
Um, okay. One thing I would ask you guys to do when a question is asked, think about a biblical concept or a biblical story that would fit the question. And the first place my mind goes is Jesus with the temptation um, when he's in, like, before his ministry, right? Matthew chapter 3, 4. And he's tempted by Satan for a variety of different things. Now, faith is going to sustain, faith in God is going to sustain him. One of the things that we see with respect to faith in the temptation, especially the second one, um, that I think might help, uh, it's helped me, it might help you guys. Satan says, hey, I'm going to take you up the high, you know, up on top of the temple, and he's he quotes the Old Testament saying, hey, the scripture says that if you jump off, you know, God will protect you. So why don't you go ahead and jump off? It presumes, it presumes that God hasn't already directed a certain pattern of behavior in nature. How does, how does God work in creation? Okay. He has already determined something called gravity. <laughs> like if I jump off a building without a parachute, Dave is going to go splat and leave a pretty big grease mark. Okay, God's already determined that. That's like his will. If I'm trying to look at his will and trying to figure out what kinds of steps of faith I should take, then what needs to be very clear to me is don't do the stupid, right? It's not my will to jump out. It's not God's will for me to jump out of the plane. That's stupid faith. That's not even faith. Um, Where I struggle, though, a little bit honestly is... um, when is like when I see an area where God is directing me, um, am I willing to rest in God for his provision? So here's a crazy example, okay? My wife's aunt, um, once removed, I don't know what that makes her. She's part of the family somewhere in there, okay? <laughs> this, this woman, if it, it, if it hadn't been for her uncle who told me this, I wouldn't have believed it because her uncle is... Uh, to give you some context, he's very much a, has a traditional view uh, on cessationism with respect to sign gifts and like tongues and what God does. And there's a whole conversation there we don't need to get into, okay? But this guy's like, this stuff doesn't happen. That's his thing. You know, I, I really have to see it to believe it. She tells this, this basically it's his aunt, calls him one day and says, you need to take me to the airport because I'm going on a missions trip. So they go. God's led, he's led me to go on this mission trip. Um, and they get to the airport and, and as they're going, he's like, okay, well, where do I need to drop you off? Like, do I drop you off at American? Do I drop you off at Delta? Do I go down? And she's like, well, we're just going to just park the car. We'll go inside and I'm going to sit down at the seat. So they're like, okay, this is really weird. So he's taken his aunt into the airport. They sit down on a bench and he starts asking her questions. He's like, well, I don't have a ticket yet. He's like, well, why did you make me bring you here? Well, God told me that I needed to go to this thing. Now, some of this is, I don't know what kind of revelation she had. Obviously, um, there is some presumption there, and God works in spite of us often. But while they're sitting there, a guy walks up and says, I can't figure out why I'm doing this, but I need to give you X amount of money. Enough for the ticket. And this lady shows up and spends a whole bunch of time on this trip. And my uncle, or Marjorie's uncle, is like, okay, well, that's not enough money to get home. And her response was, well, God hasn't told me to go home. (laughs) All right? Like, I'm going to be on the mission field until God sends me there. Uh, And she ended up getting back. Those stories are, like, I struggle with that kind of stuff. I'm just going to tell you. I struggle with that kind of stuff. 
Because I don't know how much of it's absolute, like reading the scriptures and seeing something that God leads and directs in and then presuming upon God and God rescuing us from our stupidity, okay? Because that might be some of it. And yeah, absolutely. And then, and then where does that line of faith and like, hey, walk out of Egypt, put your feet in the water and watch the Jordan move back. Uh, so where I fall, I, I go where I know God has been very clear and I trust him for those things. And when the crazy, ridiculous stuff happens, I'm just like, oh my goodness, did that just happen? But I don't presume upon God's goodness or upon his mercy to rescue me. Case in point, Jesus Christ, don't jump off the temple. Next. <laughs> well, when I was in college, I was exposed to a fellow. I believe the, I trust, I believe the fellow was well-meaning. He was an evangelist. He, his big thing was faith. He taught on faith. And to encapsulate, he's, he's not alive now, but he encapsulized his definition of faith. Faith is believing, believing what isn't so that it will be. <clears throat> and so I was taken with that, and, and that's, that's an oversimplification. But he would take verses of scripture, this is a word from the Lord. And I, was, I said, man, maybe I missed something here. You know, I need to get a word from the Lord. And, and I need to trust God. I want to honor God. I wanted to believe God. There was a Bible conference in Europe that this guy and some other people were going to be at. And I had a friend who was going. And, and so I was going to believe God for the money to go to that conference. And I confessed God is going to send me to that conference. And I prayed. I trusted God. January came. And I was at home. Now that doesn't mean that that's just the result is not the issue. That I didn't get what I believed God for. But what I was acting as faith is the issue. There's no reason for me to say God had told me to or believe him for the money for that conference. That's not faith. You can call it what you want. I mean, I call it presumption. I call it imagination. Um, stay tethered to the word and believe the word. The, are there stories? I mean, this guy had story after story. Of, they would go into a restaurant, not take their billfold in, believe God to pay for the meal. Really? You know, that kind of, so so I, those are, sound extreme in this context, at least to me, but... The point of all of that is we have a sure word of prophecy. Trust that. You know, faith is believing God in such a way that we obey him. That's why when James says, uh, let's ask in faith without wavering. What does it mean to ask in faith? Well, it does mean to believe God, he'll give you the wisdom. But it also means that if he gives you the wisdom, you do what he says. That's faith. So if, if God's word says to you, do this. If God in his, by his spirit, and you're reading the word, and the word says, this is what you do, in context, clearly, this is implied to that situation, then you do what the word says. That's faith. The obedience of faith. Um, you presume, when you assume, that what you want is what God wants. 
So we just did a, a we're, we're going through the Beatitudes, <clears throat> um, and there's a really amazing story in Matthew chapter eight. It's about a guy who's leprous, and after Jesus just finishes preaching this like amazing message, he's coming down off this mountain, and a guy who has this horrible disease that no one wants to be around comes to Jesus, and I love the way he says this: "If you will, you can make me clean." Uh, we know God can do amazing things, but we're resting in what He would want us to do now. Christ's normal response is, I will be clean. But sometimes he just says no. <laughs> so we can trust him. I just recently, but I don't even remember what it was about now. I prayed, Lord, if you will, you can do this. But it's up to him. I mean, for me to say he should do it because I'm believing him, that's, that's not biblical faith. Well, and sometimes people do lose young children. People do lose spouses. They do lose them to very horrible sicknesses and things happen and those situations the sufferings which you spoke of are those situations in which we then grow in our faith because we're not looking to something particular to happen but we're looking to the lord and what he wants to do in our lives through that well it's not just our lives guys this is this is what especially as a parent what is god doing in my life that's actually working something in my kid's life because mm. god needs to use that in his generation mm. and that's really hard because that means I got to go through stuff for this kid to get what he needs. So am I really committed to the gospel beyond my generation and the implications of that? So something here kind of practically that I think um, we can build around this next question can lend itself into this next or what we were talking about will lend itself into this next question is the issue of marriage. It's a question that most everyone here wants to know about. Okay. And that's not a bad thing. This being real and honest, it's it's an everyday desire. Is Donald Trump it, a Christian? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But marriage, no marriage. Yeah, okay. Um, so where is the balance? So we've talked about this issue of faith. Where is the balance between, you know, obviously seeking a spouse and waiting for God to bring that spouse to me? Okay. And we have these desires. We have what, you know, we long for. So this issue of faith... Where does that all play? I don't really have a trouble between waiting and seeking. I don't have a. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a, an unbiblical tension between waiting. There is a tension. Anytime you're seeking the Lord's will, it's not being a, something's not happening, and you're praying for God to do something. You want something. You want it badly. Uh, so there's going to be tension with it. But there's not a problem with waiting and seeking. Now, there is a problem with waiting and seeking um, in the local bar. You know, or there may be other methods that would be questionable or other, you know, aspects of seeking that could be questionable. You know, we're assuming we're seeking in a manner that is, is um, uh, submissive to the Word of God. And what he's revealed in his word. So um, I would say seek and wait. Mm -hmm. And when you're waiting, to wait on the Lord is, is not to be still. It's to be silent, serving, serving others, serving the church, serving singles, serving marriage. Uh, um, I, I'll give you an example. And he'll probably be embarrassed. Right, he's sitting right back there serving on staff this week. 
he, you know, he, um, while he's waiting, Lance is serving. He's attached himself to families. He's serving the Lord. He's growing. He's waiting. He's seeking. I'm not saying I have other brothers here in the same church. I'm not saying they're not. Okay, I don't. I just he just came to mind. Uh, and he would be the first to tell you he's not doing it perfectly necessarily. That's that's it. Fine. How do you get in the body of Christ? Attach yourself genuinely, livingly to the body of Christ. Love the families in the church. If your family's not in there, love your family. <clears throat> love the body. Serve and watch God do something in his time. Yeah, so um, uh, I've been married 21 years, but the time of connecting with my wife, uh, man, that's just fresh in my mind. Um, because it was such a struggle to figure out how to take those steps. So I had to kind of work through, okay, how do I work through this biblically? Number one, marriage is good. And so singleness, God gets to decide that. Adam was in the garden for, I don't know how long, before God decided to create Eve and then say, dun, 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 <laughs> here you go. Um, Dave Life said, dun, 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 dun. dun. That's from some movie, some kid's movie. When you're a parent, you just like re recycle kids' noises, you know, because <laughs> they're in your head. Somebody mentioned Phineas and Ferb the other day, and I was like, I totally know Phineas and Ferb and SpongeBob and all these stupid characters that are on TV. Um, marriage is a created ordinance. So when you're seeking to, to find yourself in that place, that's a good thing. God's already determined that that's right, okay? But, but as Christians, we get to say, okay, well, what does that look like in the Christian experience? And God's, Christ's commands are clear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, like food, clothing, relationships, all these things will be added unto you. And so when I was in that stage of, God, man, I, like, I am lonely and I, I, would, I, I will be faithful to what you've called me to do and I will battle these battles that are before me as a single person. But... Man, I'm lonely. I'm going to seek first the kingdom. And God did it. So part of it was in the service. I actually met my wife at a nursing home. Aha. <laughs> She's younger than me. It's an important point. Gold digger. <laughs> He's going to have a heart attack. This is great. Man. And that will be edited. Um. The nursing home, it was Sunday mornings, and we would do services for the old folks, and then we would go around and pray for them, and I was just there and serving, serving. and one day, this woman comes in, I'm like, wow, she's, who is this person, right? Yeah. You look so different than the rest of the people on this place. There's no walker, you know. I'm going to get you. Come on, come on. You got to have fun with this because it's like 930, you know, and I like watching Charles squirm. <laughs> do I look like I'm squirming? <laughs> yeah, you do. But the point is there's service and guys, it didn't happen right away. Like it took time to build that relationship. 
But then I would also say this, determine what your goals are. It's not wrong just to enjoy people of the opposite sex. But if you're looking for a relationship, a married relationship, and you put the cards on the table, don't waste someone's time and don't waste your own time. Like you want to take a girl out for a cup of coffee just to hang out and be a friend? Fine, go do that. You're single. Like if I do that, I'm going to ruin my ministry even if I just had a cup of coffee with somebody. Or my wife's going to be like, what are you doing? Like, you got to have some more sense to you, right? You guys are in a place where you can do that. Enjoy one another. But if you're going to pursue a relationship deeper, make sure that those cards are on the table. Like, I, like, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to ruin a good relationship. Um, I would like to have a long-term relationship, married relationship. And then the other thing I would say is, um, this is very important, Okay. God has called you to be a specific person in marriage. So, did I marry the right person? There's some wisdom in asking, is this personality going to fit mine? But when you get into that marriage, God may have put you in a marriage that you will spend the rest of your life working to help that person grow in Christ because they have this one specific thing that's just hard. Okay? Your responsibility is not to ask, did I marry the right person? Your responsibility is to ask, am I being the right person? Ephesians 5, husbands, it means you're going to die if you're going to be a Christian. become not God's will because of that. Because it's hard. That's right. Women, love your wife or love your husbands and submit as the Lord defines submission. That's hard to do, especially when your husband's being a punk. Right? So, am I being the right person? So, along with this question, one of the things that actually settles the soul a little bit, I want to make sure that when I get into the relationship, I'm going to honor the Lord with what I'm called to do. Yeah, and when, when I met Pam, neither one of us were really interested in each other. But by God's providence, I joined the church where she was a member. We became friends. We both were, for that time, fairly old. By the time we got married, we were just above our mid-20s. Doesn't sound old now. That's not supposed to be fun. <laughs> but, uh, and then we got to know each other, and, and one thing led to another, and here we are. But, uh, but we both, my wife was actively serving Christ in her church. She even stayed at a church where people suggested to her that she go to another church where there were more opportunities. She stayed there. And I went to that church. Instead of going to a larger church, I went to that church after praying about it and, and got involved in that church and met her, and then later we were married. And, and I would say uh, the, the folks who are here from our church, they're involved, they're attached to the body of Christ. Um, you know, my prayer for them and for you is that in your serving, God will bring someone. Some of it is just goofing off, I think, but among millennials. And I, and I know we use that a lot. Just, my goodness, do get going, you know. I mean, it's like, I got my phone, I got my, I got my iPad, and I got my stuff, and I'm happy, and I might live at home, and I don't have to work full time to keep all this stuff. You know, I don't know if any of you are there, but I, I'm just saying... Get focused on Christ, get focused on His church, on His people. It's amazing what happens when we do that. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org. 
or you can email us at info at p4csummit.org. We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we listen to part three of this message. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for his glory each and every day. Mm-hmm.